But tell us a little bit about the sacrifice that it took just to get this school going and why you made that sacrifice, why it was so important for you to do that. I have students that are now adults and many that dropped out because I live in the community and I see them that have dropped out of school because the traditional education didn't fit them. And so, you know, it, 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 it's so intense, the burden that I've, that I've carried and in couple that with the fact that God said, you've got to do this and it's going to cost you. And so one of my prayers, Jeff, is that God give me the courage to obey. That's my foundational prayer in my relationship with Jesus. And so he gave me the courage to obey. And when I sold my home, and that's what he said, you got to sell your home. And, 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 the, and the small amount that I had from selling my home, I used to start the school and I bought a little travel trailer. And that's what I lived in. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. You know, how many times have you seen a need in your community and wished that somebody could help fill it? Well, one need that all communities have is offering different types of learning environments for kids in the community so they can thrive where they learn best. And for so long, we failed our kids by using a one-size-fits-all approach to education. We've done an episode on a school in Utah that is tailored towards boys who have ADHD, and parents are seeing transformations in their sons because they're in the learning environment that suits them the best. Well, today's guest is from Texas, and he saw a need for a non-traditional school because he used to be a public school teacher. And he's so passionate about teaching and opening this school with no debt that he sold his home and made many other sacrifices as well. I'd like to welcome Joel Inge, who is the founder and director of Kingdom Life Academy on the show to talk about the school and why his passion for teaching led him on this journey to open the school. Joel, thanks for being with us. Great to be here. Thank you, Jeff, so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Now, first, I wanted to talk about, I've never met a guy, that not, at least I don't think I have, that raises butterflies. You raise <laughs> butterflies. Tell me about that. <laughs> yes, it actually started when I taught elementary. I really wanted my students to have a, learn, a hands-on experience uh, in science, we started with uh, painted lady butterflies, and then I moved on to monarchs. And so it just really lit a, a passion in my heart. And then on the other side, the Lord really started teaching me, bringing spiritual application to the whole metamorphosis process that really, really began to um, uh, really, really um, help me to develop a passion beyond the, even the classroom that we were able to really educate kids and also use it to begin to help people to see the power of the whole process and how it applies to life. Yeah, well, that's that's great. Um, and so do you, do you just raise them at home or do you raise them other places? Uh, we have, um, do them at home. We have a habitat here at, at the school that we raise monarchs in. We also have other butterflies called um, gulf fritillaries that we also raise. But we normally in the spring and the fall, uh, it's because they're migratory. So monarchs are primarily and 
they are, matter of fact, on their migration back to Mexico. And so we will gather eggs. And I have volunteers that work with me as well. <clears throat> In our best year, we've, we've released around 2,500. Uh, but we raise them and we release wow. them um, back back into the into nature. And so, but yeah, it's it's a passion that we expose our students to and anyone in the community that really has a love. And we try to actually schedule a release in which, you know, the community comes and we do different game activities and different learning activities with children and um, to allow them to experience them firsthand. Well, great. And so if I ever have butterfly questions, you're my go-to guy. I'm, I'm your go-to guy. Absolutely. Sound good? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, tell us a little bit. Why did you decide to go into teaching? It was God. I mean, Jesus saved me my last year of college at University of Houston. And, and he put in my passion in my heart to become a school teacher. He called me. Uh, I was actually at plans to go on to law school. And he said, nope, I'll call you to become a teacher and impact young people. And so it was, I'll give him all the glory, give Jesus Christ all the glory for who I am and what I do. And he lit a passion in my heart to really, again, make a difference in the lives of, of, of children. And so I started as a fifth grade teacher in a bilingual classroom. I, I do speak Spanish. And, and so in that process is where I started. And now you ended up, and you spent how many years as a as a teacher in the public school system? In the public school system, I spent 18 years in the public school system as a wow. teacher. Yes, yeah. sir. 18 years. And I moved from fifth grade into middle school. And in the middle school, I mean, again, I started seeing particularly boys drop out of school in their hearts. I said in the hearts because they just checked out because, right? And and and, and I'm sure the, the gentleman that you had before from Utah you know, could make the similar connections where we treat boys like we treat girls and we don't address the 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 energy, uh, the need to move, the passion, the aggression that's in a, a typical male young boy's heart. And so I saw that in, in even in elementary and I call it sit and get right. You want a boy to be calm and quiet and, and, and be attentive when he has all this energy. Right. He's got all this passion. And, 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 but you want him to, you know, to somehow cap that. And so the Lord started showing me, even in elementary, how to get outside of the classroom and do outdoor learning. But when he moved me to middle school, I saw it on a greater scale where boys particularly were being contained. And in my middle school at the time was very <laughs> out of control, with a lot of problems, drugs, gangs. And so out of that, the Lord said I had to do something. And so I started a group called Men of Issachar, an after-school program, again, to address the masculine heart and allowing these boys to get physical. And and we, you know, we basically, it's kind of, you know, a modified version of Boy Scouts, I guess you could call us, but with a, um, a Christian foundation. But through that, I saw the need, or God started showing me the need to do something differently outside of the public school uh, realm. And because of the limitations with, you know, separation of church and state, knowing that they needed to experience, right, God, they need to experience who he made them to be the, until they could understand the purpose of, of how he created them and and the nature that he put in them and give them the opportunities to flourish in the ways that he's created them to flourish. And so um, and it was in 2013 that the Lord clearly showed me 
that I was to start this school. But he had already brought other people because it's not me, you know, in isolation. But it, it was um, a team of us that actually started the school. And we started in a home originally, uh, a couple from my church, the wife partnered with me to teach while the husband became our ver very first board president. And so we started in, in a home and then a year later we moved to my church and in the process we were donated 23 acres. And, and so and one of the things, yes, no debt, God said no debt. And when you don't have the money, you stop. And so we were almost four years in the process of getting where I'm sitting, sitting now in our building, uh, a little over $600,000. But um, but it's been all God weary. And the land that we we own is in North Tyler, which is considered a low income area. And, and so predominantly black and Hispanic. And so we are here in the community to impact the lives of young people in our community. So when, let me go back to this after school program that you started <clears throat> as you started that. What, what, I guess, what and why was it important for you to start it? And what were some of the results you were seeing out of that after-school program that led you to, to really understand the need for the school itself? Well, it, again, it was because I saw the need to address the masculine heart. These boys were out of control. I mean, we were having fights. Again, the drug dogs were coming every other month, bus making bus Again, the gangs. Matter of fact, when I started the program, not long after I started the program, one of my students who was in a gang uh, wanted to get out of the gang and join men of Issachar. And he asked me actually to come witness him to be jumped out of the gang. And so here I am with shirt and tie down in the backwoods uh, behind the school and watching him get pummeled as he was getting jumped out of the gang. And if you have any idea about getting jumped out of a gang, they fight you. And he was double teamed uh, multiple times by several members of the gang. And he was a bloody mess by the time, you know, they were finished. But he was happy to get out of the gang and join the men of Issachar. And he was one example of God beginning to transform lives of young men when we give them, because they want to belong, right? And, they, and, and we were just a positive gang. Uh, with the men of Issachar and, and doing positive things. And even we've gone on, you know, two mission trips. Uh, just actually, I've just finished our third. But uh, while I was in public school, we did two mission trips, one to Portland, Oregon. And we worked with Bridgetown Ministries, worked with the homeless community. And then we went to the Navajo Nation where we worked, you know, um, with a missionary there um, on the Navajo Nation to reach a single, a single mom, to build a home for a single mom. So teaching these young men, to that they can be aggressive in a positive way and and they can be involved in giving back and making impact when they have purpose. And that's the problem too many times our young people, you know, we're raising them, particularly in a traditional classroom and where it's just really regurgitation, right? And we're not giving them a purpose and a vision for life. But when we give them purpose and vision and helping them to see that they can have impact, then, then they take hold of that. Right. And they come alive. And so that's what we saw, even with the men of Issachar. <clears throat> so, I mean, you talked about purpose and vision for their life, and that's ultimately perhaps why they're seeking this gang in the first place. Right. Is, is purpose and vision for their life. It's just a negative purpose and vision for society and for their life. Um, and that's really yeah. what you're trying to do is create an alternative to that. Exactly. Exactly. You're totally right. Yeah. Chuck. Yeah. So now you decided to 
the, the from uh, the after school program, you decided that you needed to open this school, um, and uh, you you talked about doing that. Um, how long has the school been open? Did you say? Um, Ten years. We're in our eleventh year now. Wow! And it has been a journey. Wow. Yes, sir. It's been a journey. Yeah, but how long has your total journey been? It sounds like it's been decades long, right? Yeah, trying it to has get to been. this point. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, my educational journey, as far as the teacher, started in 1997. Wow. And so, yes, it's been a while. So you opened this school. I want to talk about you You re, <clears throat> re, uh, reoperating it without any debt, it sounds like. Uh, how how right. have you been able to make that possible? <laughs> By the grace of God. Um, <laughs> and And... and People and many people who identify, we have so many, you know, donors that identify with our students. Um, we have, you know, plumbing companies, plumbers, uh, electricians. Matter of fact, I just saw a brother yesterday at, at, at lunch at a restaurant who supports us. And, and that's his story. You know, he's an electrician on his electrical company. And, and they identify. They say, I was that type of student where... <clears throat> They didn't do well in traditional education. They didn't do well in academics, but, you know, but they had skill, they have gifts. And so they were able to somehow navigate, even though, they, you know, barely getting to school. And matter of fact, I have one of our, our board president who owns an AC business. That's his story. He said, I barely graduated high school. And, and he went to work for an AC company and he, you know, learned the skill and now he's branched out on his own. And now he has his own company and doing well, has his own employees and so they identify. And so these types of people, um, are kind of, they're the backbone of our supporters. And so we, and, um, you know, we do get, get some, you know, some local grants, but primarily it's individual giving. And, and we do have a sliding scale for our parents, you know, based on income, family income, that we offer, um, you know, low rates of tuition. Because we understand, because we are targeting low-income families, we know that our our families cannot afford to pay the complete tuition, the full tuition here. Yeah. So you talked about specific types of students that your school is kind of tailored for. What What do you consider the ideal student for your school? The ideal student is someone who has suffered failure in the public education, and, and primarily because of, of learning difficulties, needing more time processing, that, again, that the reading, a lot of dyslexia, um, trouble, again, even with, you know, um, numeric dyslexia, where learning is just hard. And for some students, because learning is hard, then sometimes they have had behavior problems because of their frustration. So that's the type of student we want, we target primarily. A student that has had, uh, suffered a lot of, you know, trauma even through the educational experience based on their struggles to learn within the traditional setting. That's the type you of student what, that we'll be Joel, you know what's interesting to me when I talk to people who who maybe are opposed to educational uh, mm -hmm. choice or, uh, you know, free market reforms in education to allow parents mm -hmm. to help decide the school that's best for their kids. One of the arguments right. that they often give me is, well, but, you know, there'll be these these private schools that go out and they're going to only take the good kids. That mm. isn't the case. Uh, and, and you're a great example of how you're, you're not 
only you know taking the easy kids you're taking the hard kids that's what your school is designed for right right exactly exactly yes yes we definitely want to help the kids that um that are having a hard time in public education now we'll say that you know we you know we do not for students who are rebellious and they don't want to follow rules and 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 they just do not want to fit in any kind of system. No, no, we don't. We don't. We don't really uh, are not equipped to address those types of needs. But students who legitimately want to learn and it's just been hard. It's just hard, and that's where we're seeing um, a real great a great interest because we even have you know a waiting list that because students really parents really want better for their students, and there are students who really they really want to learn, but it's just hard. And and in some instances, just the bullying, just a negative environment, particularly in 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 schools where, again, the funds are not there and the parents cannot afford like schools in our area and uh, the North Tyler area. Parents can't afford to pull their kids out and send them to the private schools. Um, They're stuck. Right. They're stuck financially. Yes. If you're an affluent family and you, you have the funds, yes, you can do that. But our community, we can't do that. And so we have to do everything in our power to find the funds, you know, again, not only with our donors and our parents paying, but we do fundraisers. Matter of fact, we're getting ready to, we get ready to have a tamale sale. A lot of our parents are Hispanic, you know, Spanish, Mexican uh, heritage, and, and we sell tamales four times a year. And, uh, and it's a pretty big, big sale. But, um, but, it's, but we require parents, and we have great parents that are really fighting for their kids. And, and so... Yes, we want to give parents of children who are struggling the option, the choice. Um, and again, we have parents that come in or, or families that are interested, but their student is doing, they're doing well in public school. And we tell them, if your child is doing well in public school, then they need to stay there. Okay, we're here right. for students who need us. And we're a small school, and we don't want to be big. We're six to one, six students to one teacher. That's our ratio. And, wow. and we want to maintain that. Um, and, and we maintain it a great sacrifice because um, because in doing so, we can't afford to pay our teachers a lot of money. Right. And we bear, mm-hmm. and our teachers see this as mission. They sacrifice tremendously um, to come and work here because they see it as a ministry, as missions, because they know that what they're doing, the imparting in the hearts and lives of these students far outweighs a paycheck. And so we're grateful. Yeah. Um, as you see parents and students wanting to come to your school, is it driven more by, and I'm sure it's probably a little bit of both, but is is it driven more by the parents or do you have kids who really want to come so that they can succeed or, or is it more parent driven in your mind? Um, it's, it depends on the situation, you know, particularly with, um, some of the younger kids, they don't get the full picture, um, Mm -hmm. and they get a taste of it, but a lot of times it, it can be the parents. But then there are students that they make that decision and they really want, like we had a recent graduate, her name is Anna, and Anna is the one that sought us out. She um, had been in high school um, her freshman year and she was one that had gotten in trouble and was in uh, alternative school, off-campus alternative school, and she made the decision, hey, I can't go back. I can't go back. And she was the one that convinced me to admit her <laughs> because we, wow. you know, we tried to accept students before, you know, that had been in trouble along those lines and they have just not, it did not, it was not successful. But she started calling 
and um, and my office manager and, and really pushing and we ended up having an interview and she convinced me we needed to give her a shot and she was 15 years old wow. and, and she um, graduated from us with certificates in phlebotomy and um, nurses aid because that's one of the things we emphasize our students they have to choose a career track before they graduate by the time they're 16 um, and so that's one of the options in a local junior college and and so she chose that route but she's one of those students that realize, hey, I need this school. I need this school. And so, but we've had, we, like I say, it's a little bit of both. But we ultimately, we tell students, though, you have to want to come here. Uh, and I tell them, we don't want you if you don't want us. <laughs> it kind of sounds rough, but <laughs> we let them know that. We, if you don't want to come here, it's sure. not going to work. And so right. we, and we, do, um, we do camps, um, like in the spring, for, for younger kids to come and experience some of the school, and we do tours. And so we give opportunity um, for students to really get an idea. And, and also during the touring, they get a chance to talk to our current students and get an understanding and get direct feedback from them how their experience is at KLA. And that's usually a strong selling point for most students, particularly for those who really want to change. But the opposite, I will say, let me say, is that for kids who are, that I have seen, who see that, genuinely see that they need to do something differently, but they choose not to is because of friends in public school and their relate friendships sometimes for some kids weigh more heavily for them than the will, the desire to, to change and, and to reach out and receive uh, a different alternative in education. Yeah. But for those who make you, the difference, uh, who make the choice, they, 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 yeah, they see the difference. Right. Uh, so it's, it's about sacrifice. I mean, you talked about the young girl wanting, wanting to come and having to call and convince you to take her. <laughs> but let's talk about your sacrifice, too. I mean, that's, it's a little unusual. It sounds like you sold your home to start this school. This has been a passion. It sounds like it's something that you believe God called you to do. But tell us a little bit about the sacrifice that it took just to get this school going and why you made that sacrifice, why it was so important for you to do that. Yes. The, the burden was so intense that God put in my heart because, again, I'm seeing students. And I, you know, I have students that are now adults. And so probably half of my friends, and I have over 1,000 friends, 3,000 friends on Facebook and over half of my former students and, um, and many that dropped out, you know, and they and it and it and it burn, it burns my heart because I live in the community and I see them that have dropped out of school because the traditional education didn't fit them. And so, you know, it 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 it's so intense the burden that I that I've carried and in couple that with the fact that God said you've got to do this and it's gonna cost you. Said it's gonna cost you everything and and so one of my prayers, Jeff, is that God give me the courage to obey. That's my foundational prayer in my relationship with Jesus. And so he gave me the courage to obey. And when I sold my home, and that's what he said, you got to sell your home. And, 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 the, and the small amount that I had from selling my home, I used to start the school. And I bought a little travel trailer. And that's what I lived in. And, um, and so I lived in the travel trailer uh, for a long time until it actually got... Uh, infected with mold, infested with mold, and um, I was able to get it cleaned up, but I have asthma. But um, anyway, I ended up having to, the Lord led me to give it away, to donate it to a ministry um, that could use it more than I could. 
And so, um, and in in the meantime, the Lord led me to be able to um, to to rent a room um, from the the couple that helped me start the school, um, and then sub- subsequently from there, um, he he led me to live in a tent. I lived in a tent for five years on the school property um, with no income. That was another thing he said that I had to live by faith. So even to this day, Jeff, as I sit in this chair, I don't know where my money is coming from. Um, I don't receive a salary um, and the Lord takes care of me. And it's miraculous how he cares for me. But it's 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 been a huge sacrifice. Um, but the blessing is watching my students the transformation that we see, not only with our graduates. I just had one show up out of the blue yesterday, Juan Carlos, and he's telling me about his new job he has in Austin, and he just showed up, you know, and during our chapel service, and I had a chance to introduce him, and he just came by to let me know. You know, he's leaving town, but how grateful he is for the impact wow. that I had on his life, that we had at KLA, and, um, and to see kids who come who's come here depressed, uh, suicidal, without hope, and full of anxiety, and and seeing them experience the love of Jesus, and 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 them being able to succeed, you know, in their in their learning experiences, and to see the transformation. A young lady, Anna E. I mean, she when she first came, even after COVID was over, she didn't want to take her mask, not come with it. And I asked her, why are you wearing the mask? Are you hiding? And she said, yes, because I feel so terribly about myself. Terribly about myself. Mm. And, and, and through the process of us praying and loving on this young lady, she has grown. God is using her tremendously. Um... In incredible ways, he gives her words, uh, I mean, from scripture to minister to people, to me. <laughs> but I just got to tell you, man, I got to pay for by here. It's her card. And I keep it on my desk. And give me a second. I'm sorry. But here it is. Sure. Okay, here it is. And it says, be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. First Samuel 12, 24. And she gave this to me at Christmas, this past Christmas, with a gift. And she didn't know that I was in a dark place. I was in a very dark place, brother. And God used her with this obscure scripture that I'd never seen before in my life to speak to my heart. And this wow. young lady who's 13 years, 14 years old, 14 years old. And, um, and so uh, is ministering to me. And so, and this is someone who was so depressed and so isolated and had no joy. And now she is, she, she feels like God is calling her to be a missionary. She, you know, she turns 15 next month. I got to speak at her quinceanera, but um, it, it is just amazing. She's just one example of the lives that God is changing. It's just been absolutely amazing to see the confidence that that our students are gaining um, by the work that they do here. And, and we empower them. And that's one of the things that's foundational to our approach is that we give them responsibility. You know, they run the kitchen. We have a, you know, a culinary program. 
And we have a team that meets and we have, you know, Melanie is a lead team leader and she's incredible. And these young people know how to run the budget. They know how they, 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 they find recipes. They create the menus. They maintain the budget. They go do their own shopping every Friday. Right. They deal with the health inspector when the health because we're a food establishment and the health inspector comes. They they meet with her. Okay? And it's incredible. But um, even with our farm, we have to, again, we have 23 acres and, and our students, even as I speak, they're installing um, irrigation systems. So they're learning the whole process and um, the, the, the science and the technology and, and the, again, the practical knowledge of dealing with valves and pumps and um, and, 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 and connections and, and the wiring of it all. And so, um, and it builds their confidence. It builds their confidence when they sure. have been, you know, and so they're learning the, the, all the skills they need, um, but in practical ways, in practical ways. I wow. can go on what, what, what an incredible story. And I'm sure, you know, you just told us a couple of stories of the transformation, the way people's lives have been changed. I'm sure you have literally hundreds of those and uh, lots of students out there who are who are doing that. And I'm sure that's your, as you mentioned, Joel, that's your reward, right? For, for the, for being it. faithful and following what, uh, what God told you to do. So um, that that's incredible. If people want to learn more about your school uh, or contact you, talk about how they might be able to even help uh, your school. Yes. What's the best way for them to do that? The best way for them to do that is to uh, reach out to me through email if they would like or visit our website. Our website is klatyler.com. And also my email is joelenge at klatyler.com. That's J-O-E-L-E-N-G-E. They can send me an email or they can go to our, our website to get more information um, and reach out to us through, through the website. We also have a Facebook page as well. And so there are different ways that they could actually reach us. Joel, thank you so much for, for telling your story, taking a few minutes to tell your story. But more importantly, thank you for changing these lives and transforming people's lives. You're doing, you're doing great work. So thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you inviting me on your program. You bet. Well, listen, th- I mean, you, you just heard what Joel laid out. And this is the power of people who care. And you heard Joel, there are, there are people like Joel, heroes all across America who are making a difference in people's lives. And, you know, when we talk about public education and things like that, Joel was a public school teacher. He was one who cared about his kids enough that he, he just had to transform his own life so that he could help transform others. Thank you so much for uh, everything that, that Joel has done. Thank you for listening to us. And I just want to remind you, liberty and freedom, they're easily taken for granted. And don't take that for granted. Go out there, defend freedom and liberty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. 